Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 222 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Omnipod, Dexcom, and Dancing for Diabetes. You can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, dancing the number four diabetes.com, or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to find out more about the sponsors. And if you can't remember those links, don't worry. I've included them at juiceboxpodcast.com and in the show notes of your podcast app. Today's guest is Maggie, and I'm going to tell you something. She really delivered. I don't really know another way to say it. She really came forward with good, solid, clear information. She knew what she wanted to say, and she said it. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to always consult a physician before making changes to your medical plan or becoming bold with insulin. If somehow you haven't had enough of me on this podcast and like to come out and you'd like to come out and see me live, I will be at Touched by Type 1 on May 18th in Orlando, Florida. And I'm speaking at the JDRF Type 1 Nation event in Kansas on November 16th. If you'd like me to come to your event, just go to juiceboxpodcast.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, hit contact, send me a note. I don't know if this is ironic or not, but like going low at the moment. Well, we should definitely take care of that. How low are you getting? So the Dex is saying that I'm 77 with a diagonal um, down right now. And I just took a shower. So I'm guessing that it's probably just like a little bit of aftershock from the shower. When do you start feeling low? I usually feel it at like 55. That's when I can really feel it where I feel like, okay, it's time to definitely do something right now. I don't know if this makes me like a controversial diabetic or not, but I don't mind sitting at 70 if I'm stable. I keep a close eye on it and stuff and make sure that I don't fall anymore or, but I definitely try to stay in a good range as much as possible. I'm not a person that gets scared at like 80 or anything like that. That makes me think of two things. First of all, you very likely already named the episode Controversial Diabetic. And, and, and secondly, um, <laughs> when, you say, when you say a good range, like what's the range you're shooting for? Um, yeah, I guess saying the word good is like kind of controversial as well. Like good and bad are trigger words, especially to diabetics sometimes. But um, the range that I try to stay in for the majority of the day is between 80 and 120. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's, 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 I, we shoot, we shoot for 70, 120. And, yeah. And then, um, and Arden's um, Dexcom is set at 70 and 130. So I find out before she finds out. Just, just so we can, I can start thinking about it before it comes up. Please don't forget to go to dancingfordiabetes.com sometime today. Just, you know, when you have a moment and you're sitting at a computer on your phone, go to dancing4diabetes.com. So my name is Maggie, and I have had diabetes since February of this year. So I'm not even yet. I think maybe that's eight months. months. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> not, I like this. Not very long. How old are you, Maggie? I just turned 26. 26. Any diabetes or other endocrine issues in your family? 
Um, so my maternal uncle was diagnosed with type one when he was, um, in his thirties and that is the only, uh, other person, endocrine or there's a little bit of type two diabetes, but like we know that they don't really have anything to do with each other. So I don't usually like. So you're on today because you're MDI, right? Yeah, okay. passionately on MDI. Excellent. Well, that also could be the title of the episode, passionately. On MDI. <laughs> but, but we'll figure it out as we go. But I wanted to, I wanted to kind of go backwards first to something you alluded to, because I saw something recently that made me feel like this too. So you said that like maybe good range could be considered a trigger word for people with type one, and there's a there's a ton of them. We could sit here and list them all. Uh, people, you know, some people get very upset if a comic makes a joke about diabetes. Some people don't care. Some people say, oh, you can't say test your blood sugar because that sounds like it's a grade. And some people don't care. Some people don't want to be called diabetic. Some people, like, there's a ton of personal preference around how we speak about things, and which is all 100% fine. But I saw something the other day that threw me off. And I don't know that I've ever said it on the recording before. I, I will say it to people privately all the time, but I'm going to say it here to you. So there are pl- the, the community of people with type 1 diabetes who have an outlet now to share about their diabetes is much bigger in terms of the people because social media is so much simpler to get started now. Like if, you know, 10 years ago, if you wanted to share with people, you had to design a blog and put it online and it was hard to accomplish. So it, you know, but now if you have a Instagram account or, you know, something that you can set up rather quickly, you can, can pretty quickly get out into the space and start talking. And so I, I've seen recently another rash of another one of those things that we don't say, quote unquote, which is people are either happy to share their A1C or very much act like they should never. And, and the people that I hear say, well, I don't share my A1C because I don't think it's fair to compare. Those are also sometimes the same people who are telling you, this is the way you should be living your life with diabetes. I find it interesting that they're willing to say, do all this stuff. It works great, but I won't tell you the results of what I'm doing. And I, and I, I wonder sometimes if that's disingenuous or not, because the, the only reason I share my daughter's A1C is so that you can, listening, have some confidence that what I'm telling you, this is how it's resulting for us. At least, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it would be a strange thing, I think, to tell somebody, hey, this is how I eat, and it's really great and everything, but I can't tell you what my results are with my blood sugar. So I, right. I, and so, but, and so it, it, you just made me think of that when you said that, because I don't think there's anything wrong with saying a good range. I mean, is it is it... Would it be wrong to say that if your blood sugar is between 350 and 380, that would be a bad range? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so hard to say because for me, I guess I get nervous about saying good and bad because I, I mean, I haven't had diabetes for very long. Sure. I'm very new to this, but... Um, but I'm, I'm actually not afraid to say that I think that I'm doing really well mm-hmm. and I think I'm taking really good care of myself and I'm fortunate that, um, I have like the resources and the support to be so successful. And so sometimes I guess my hesitation to 
maybe try not to say good or bad or whatever is because I know that not everyone is in the same position that I am. And so I would, I, my sensitivity is that I, I don't want to make someone feel bad when I say like, I try to keep my blood sugar between 80 and 120 and I do it. No, I agree with you. And I, I have that same, listen, you'll hear me stumble over words sometimes. I don't want to say things that will make somebody feel terrible. That's obviously not my goal. It shouldn't be anyone's goal. Um, and, and at the same time, I think that here, here's kind of what I think. I was thinking about this this morning as, as we were getting ready to talk. There are homes that are nearby my house that cost three times what my house cost. And I look at it and sometimes I feel jealous or unaccomplished you know, my son had a friend growing up, excuse me, and his house was just so much nicer than mine. And when I walked into it, even though I don't think I have a bad house, I used to feel bad about myself. I was like, wow, how were they able to accomplish this? And this is all I was able to do. And I think it's similar, except that's at least more fine. It's, that's more concrete. There's a person out there earning way more money than I can earn. That's fair enough. But being jealous about that, that maybe is reasonable. But when you see someone walking around with an A1C in the fives or the sixes or the sevens or whatever is marketably better than what you have. I don't see how people feel jealous about that or angry. I would, that would make me feel hopeful. Like, do you know what I mean? Like if I was pulling a, a seven and a half A1C and someone came along and said, Hey, I have a 5.4. I would think, wow, that's possible. I wonder how that person's accomplishing that. I would like to know those things. I just think it's, a, I, I understand the, I understand how it can initially make you feel, but to me, it's always just seemed hopeful that someone had that A1C or someone could keep their blood sugar between 80 and 120 for a majority of the time. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think that if you're wasting your time being angry about this stuff, you've, you may very well be missing out on a lot of other valuable messages for yourself. 100% with what you're saying, um, I feel very... I. I definitely feel that way as well. Being a, a very like healthy person and then having diabetes all of a sudden and not really knowing why, I, I definitely, I mean, I think that I'm still angry about it sometimes and I can see why other people would, why maybe seeing a lower A1C would, would be. It piss them off. <laughs> discouraging yeah you know oh, where it could be I, I, discouraging especially if and I think that um effort is definitely perceived like based on the individual and so while someone may not be trying hard in my eyes they may feel like they are trying very hard to like change habits and to not see those results I know how that feels and so I guess maybe even though I don't necessarily agree with how they feel, I, I, I feel for them. Yeah, I so, get, and I felt, and I felt that way in the past too. I just, I just, I guess what I know today that I didn't know back then when I was in that same boat was I was spending a lot of unnecessary time feeling defeated and angry and, and hopeless when it turned out I just wasn't listening to the right information. Right. And I, I think also that's just like, that's just like a light that needs to click on in you and you can't necessarily force that 
or you can't predict when it's going to happen. It just, one day it just clicks and you get it. And I don't know, maybe that some of that frustration comes from it just not clicking with them yet. No, I I 100% hear you. And even as you're speaking, what I'm thinking is I'm having a very male reaction to this. Like I just sort of want the, you know, I'm like, if you just cut your emotion out of this, you could get to the good part. And it is, I don't know if it's fair to call that a male reaction. It is sometimes mine. It is, you know, the idea of like, if we could just take the drama out of this for a second, I think we could all see there's a clearer path in front of us. So, so I get that. And let me finish by saying this. Anyone who is out in the space trying to tell people that this is a viable, you know, what I do is a viable way of living with diabetes. I, I would call on you to then show people the results of what it is you're doing. Don't just tell them this is a great thing and and like, you know what, if, if you had a, I don't know, if you were going to invest some of your money and I was selling to you and I was like, look, if you invest with me, trust me, it's going to be great. It's very exciting. Everybody who invests with me is very happy. You're going to love it. And then you said, okay, well, can you show me your results from last year? I said, no, 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 I don't want to show you that. You just give me all your money. You can't just promise people something and, and, and not show them how it ends. Like show me how it ends. You know, maybe it's a, Maybe it's a seven A1C. Maybe it's an eight. You know, if I have if I have a ten A1C and you have an eight, I'd love to know how you got to an eight. Sure. You, you know, but don't don't go showing me your pretty pictures on Instagram and on Facebook and all the places. Tell me all the good stuff you're doing, and then don't follow through and let people know what it is they're buying. Like so. Yeah. And, and buying, I obviously don't mean it's actually for sale, but you know, right. You're trying to get somebody to buy into an idea. Have the courtesy to show them how it ends. That's all. So that's obviously something I heard somewhere, and I'm not going to say any more that made me upset. But, um, <laughs> but so Maggie, we're going to dive right in here with you. Here's going to be here's where my cynicism jumps right in. You're doing really great with MDI, and then I'm going to say, but you've only had diabetes for eight months, and isn't it possible you're still honeymooning? So are you still honeymooning? We're going to find out in a moment if Maggie's honeymoon is over. But today is a perfect day to begin your union with Omnipod. I want you to go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or click on the links in your show notes or juiceboxpodcast.com to get a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod today. That's right. When you go to my link, Omnipod will send you a peck, a pod experience kit. And in that kit, you're going to get a demonstration pod that you can actually wear. And don't worry, it doesn't insert the cannula or anything like that. It's a demonstration pod. But you will be able to get a feeling for where on your body you'll want to wear the Omnipod and how it feels because you're going to have it right on you. The heft, the size, the the pod itself is all real. It's not a fake pod. It's not a, a FOD. It's not a fake Omnipod demo. It's a PEC, a pod experience kit. Now we've we've all been to a wedding. You know what happens at the end. You get a kiss. So take a PEC from Omnipod. Jump into your marriage with the world's greatest and only tubeless insulin pump. Not only will you get a peck to start off your marriage, you're going to get the same amazing insulin pump that Arden has been using since she was four years old. 11 years. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. You put in your name, a tiny bit of information, and Omnipod will send you a pod experience kit directly to your door. All that's left is to put it on and find out if you like it. Do you, Juicebox Podcast listener, take the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump to be your wedded insulin pump? To have and to hold, to bolus and to basil, in the shower or out? 
for as long as you need the untethered freedom of the greatest insulin pump on the planet. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox for the links in your show notes or juiceboxpodcast.com. May your honeymoon with the Omnipod never end. Are you still honeymooning? You know, my doctor had told me that I am out of my honeymoon. She said that my pancreas is producing like such little insulin that it it's not doing any, it's really not doing anything. Um, from what I have seen on the internet and know of other people, um, my insulin to carb ratio seems pretty on point with people who have had diabetes their whole entire lives. Um, not that that necessarily has anything to do with honeymooning, but that was kind of how I was gauging that, um, myself. Plus I like, I have probably pushed every button I could with this disease, even in the last eight months where I'm just like, Oh, like you can eat that and not, not take any insulin for it. Like it's just one thing, but I can't even eat a serving of carrots without my blood sugar. Like, going up and so if this is my honeymoon i am not looking forward to what's coming later because did you ever notice an uptick like where it was like hey this is easier and then all of a sudden it got harder was there a time when that happened or did you maybe just start closer to where you are now do you think no i think i definitely just started closer to where i am now i i believe that i was undiagnosed for about 10 months eight to 10 months so um I think that that was probably where I lost out on my honeymoon and, um, you used it up before you knew you needed it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. What was that first 10 months before you knew you had type one? Like, were you having health issues? Yeah, I was. And, um, I was explaining them away and ignoring them and looking back on it. It, it was actually really, really hard. Um, to, to not have access to the things that my body needed or to not be treating it as well as I should have been. I remember the, so I was diagnosed in February. So it, I really started seeing symptoms that summer and I was working and I said to my boss, when you were in your like mid twenties, like 25, cause I was, I was almost, I was about to be 25, I think at the time. And did you ever just get really thirsty and like you just felt like you couldn't drink enough you're just so thirsty and she just looked at me like no (laughs) yeah that's not a thing that happens never yeah yeah, but you and I just thought I was dehydrated I was like you're dehydrated or you're something your hormones are changing like maybe you're going through some hormonal thing or I don't know something that your body needs more water and listen to your body you need to be drinking more like I was telling myself like take better care of yourself drink more water and at the same time I was eating like a probably oh just like two I mean like two bags of candy a day probably at that point um so you had that insatiable hunger and the thirst and were you losing weight on top of it? So I was very slowly losing weight in the beginning. I would say just like it was just coming off slowly, very slowly um, to the point where I was thinking like, oh, I 
I was preparing for a, uh, a wedding. My husband and I got married in January. So we, it was leading up to that. And so we were working out a little bit and I was just like, Oh, it's just, you know, you're just like losing weight from working out. And I felt like I was eating better, even though I was kind of mindlessly eating sugar all day. Um, because my body was just craving those like very simple carbs to keep it going. And I, and you, so you were diagnosed a month after your wedding. Yes. Like almost to the day. Wow. That's not the classic wedding gift for a spouse. Um, (laughs) what were you planning on getting them? Yeah, (laughs) seriously. So did you now? so this is really interesting when you find out you have type one, are you by yourself in the doctor's office or is your husband with you? So I, we had actually gone into the doctor's office because um, I had, you know, I had continued to have, you know, the classic symptoms going up and I lost about 40 pounds leading up to our wedding. And then on the day of our wedding, I actually lost my vision um, and I had very blurry vision and I, I couldn't really see. And um, but I didn't say anything to anyone because I was like, maybe they won't let me get married and I didn't want that. So we put it off. I've kind of put it off and then my vision came back a little bit and then, and then it came, I lost it even worse. So I finally got put on my husband's health insurance and we decided to go to the doctor to check out my eyes. And even sitting in the doctor's office, he was asking me some of the symptoms and I, I told him the blurry vision and basically that was it. That was all I wanted to talk about because I was not about to complain about losing weight yeah. to anyone. And my husband was like, well, I mean, she, she's lost about 40 pounds too. And I kind of like looked at him like, why are you selling me out? Like, don't tell the hey, doctor. I'm just, I'm just here for contacts, buddy. <laughs> let's not get, let's not yeah. get cancer or whatever losing <laughs> yeah. 40 pounds means. No, I hear you. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so they took a they took a blood test or they took a blood sample or whatever and I remember just freaking out like I do not like needles I don't want needles on me I don't want needles in me no 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 I mean my hands were like clammy and wet and I was sweating and so they took the blood sample and, and I was just like oh, like I'm glad that's over mm-hmm. and then um we made an appointment to go see an ophthalmologist the next day. So we went home, we had pizza for dinner um, and woke up the next morning to a voicemail on my phone that the on-call doctor had left at like 1 a.m. that my results were in and my blood sugar was over 700 and that she was like, it was the most disturbing phone call I've ever had in my whole entire life. She was like, you need to go to the emergency room right away. This is like extremely dangerous. Yeah, and she said, I don't know if you're a diabetic or not, but you need to go to the emergency room. And I was like, what the F? Yeah, like, no I know I can't swear on here. As, yeah, but if we do, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll lose uh, iTunes in a couple of countries. So, um, but, yeah. but so otherwise, wouldn't it be fun just to curse about that? Maybe I'll have to just do a different diabetes podcast where we all curse about it. But um, yeah. so when you were talking about, I have to say, I've, I've sat here and listened to hundreds of people tell me about their diabetes and you described your vision blurriness like it frightened me like that was that was really something you must have 
had such an overwhelming feeling of I'm not going to interfere with this wedding today because if my my vision goes blurry like that, I, I'm done. I'm going right to a doctor. So that was that was really that had to have been incredibly frightening. Do you think it ruined the day for you on some level? Did it, was the day not what you expected because of it, or did your pancreas kick in a little bit and let you? No, it, it was perfect. The day was perfect, and I'm even looking back on it. I've thought many times like. I'm so lucky to be alive and um, I'm, I'm very fortunate that it worked out the way that it did. And I, I am happy that it happened when it happened and that I, I was able to enjoy that day without, um, without worrying about it. I think, especially with the diagnosis right before that, I think, I think it would have been hard for me to really enjoy it and focus on on the day and what it was truly supposed to be about. So in a, in a way, Maggie, ignorance was wedded bliss. I guess. <laughs> I've blended two sayings together. Yeah, I clearly, see that. Clearly is now going to be the episode title. And so oh, um, I usually don't have six ideas for a title by 25 minutes in, but today I do. Um, so here was, I, I love your story and I'm, I'm really happy you shared it with me. I was asking because then I was going to ask you a harder question, which was, did you at any point look and think, wow, this isn't what this guy thought he was getting when we decided to get married. Were you worried about that at all? When you had to tell him you had type, like when he realized you had type one, did that worry you on a personal level, like for your relationship? I'm going to go to my messages for this Dexcom ad. The technology for this disease is life changing. And without Dexcom, we couldn't manage the way we do. Here's one from 10 minutes ago. I've been listening to your podcast for a while now. It got me into buying a Dexcom G6 and I'm loving it. I've been able to avoid hypo and hyperglycemia with my Dexcom. Thank you. Let's see what this person said. Hmm. This one's about Omnipod. Wrong ad. Scrolling. We have Dexcom and we can finally start living a normal life and not being afraid anymore. Thank you. Next. Scrolling. Oh, look at this. Dexcom arrows were steady throughout the night. I slept like a baby. Next. Let's see what this person says. I'm randomly just clicking on my swear to you. Boom, boom. Ba -ba. This one's about window pre-bolus. Scoodly-doo. Ba -ba Here's one. We just got Dexcom. Better late than never. Thank you so much. Love all the content. So easy to understand. Some of that was about how great the podcast was, not just XCOM, but you get the point. These people's results are their own and yours may vary, but I do know that you're going to love the share and follow features that are available for iPhone and Android, and you're going to absolutely adore being able to see what direction your blood sugar is moving and how fast it's getting there. The Dexcom G6 is where we get the data to make decisions about Arden's management, and I think you're going to love it. Go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox and get started today. Tell them the Juicebox podcast sent you. When he realized you had type 1, did that worry you on a personal level, like for your relationship? Um, not really. We, um, I mean, it was truly love at first sight for us. And we have just been, I mean, all the cliches inseparable since the day that we met and
and um, we love each other very much. I think that both of us had nervousness that maybe our lives would not be what we had planned them to be because now I have this. But um, I mean, two, two months, three months after my diagnosis, we went to Iceland for a week and Ireland for a week on our honeymoon. And um, we go backpacking together. We go hiking. I'm super active. Um, and it's just, it's just something to plan for. And so I think that in the beginning, he really, he spent probably the first like month on the internet searching for your cure and, um, just obsessively researching, trying to figure out how to fix it until he kind of realized that like, this is just something that we will live with and something that we will take care of. That's sweet. That's very sweet. He sounds like a great guy. I only, I just asked because I can't remember if it's out yet or if it's an episode that hasn't gone up yet, but was speaking with someone at one point who was living with their fiance and who is now married to them, but they didn't know they, like they didn't tell the person they had diabetes. Like it was just too hard for them to, to share. And I just didn't know how hard it would be to look at somebody when you were just a month past your, your wedding and say, Hey, you know, this is now something that I have that's not going away. And I didn't know, I just didn't know, but I, your answer is beautiful. I, I, I'm really happy for you that that was your situation. Yeah, I mean, he was at the hospital with me. He drove me to the ER. And so the whole time, I mean, I remember we were just like sitting in the hospital bed together, like playing cards or something and just like kind of waiting for answers, not really knowing what was going on. And I, I truly felt like we were sitting there just like, I I felt like we were kids, just kids sitting in this big bed playing games together. And somebody comes in and they're like, well, you have diabetes. And the doctor just walked out and we just kind of looked at each other like, what? What is going on? I I can tell you that um, at around your age, my wife and I were having our first baby. And when they brought Cole into the room, the first time the nurse came in and was like, hey, here's the baby. I'm going to leave. I had I didn't just have the thought. I said it out loud to her. I said, listen, you don't know us, but possibly be breaking a law by leaving that baby here. Like, I'm not 100 percent confident we can keep this kid alive. I really think that if you took any kind of a medical oath, you might want to hang back and watch us for a while, you know, and it really did make me feel like I was 12. And I, I, yeah. I think that's what you're talking about is that, that sort of idea of like, I've never gone through anything like this before in my life. I've never been the adult in one of these situations and it, and, and it's about me and right. it is frightening. It really is. Yeah. So yeah. When, when did you find, cause I, I heard you say Dexcom, right? You have a CGM. Yep. I use the in pen as my, um, pen needle nice. and Dexcom. Did you find out about in pen on the show by any chance? No, I did not. No? Oh, come on. You could have just said yes, Maggie. But, Sorry. Oh, no, no, it's fine. Feel uh, free to edit it out. No. Yes, I did. Wow, great. <laughs> no, I would never do that. That's so funny. Uh, so, you, <laughs> so you're using InPen, which is uh, this app that, you know, they were on the show a few months back. It's an app that goes with their pen, and it gives you a lot of the functionality from an, that an insulin pump has, but with a pen. Uh, right. The only thing I guess you lack is the ability to manipulate your basal insulin. Right. Right. So tell me a little bit about your day with MDI because you're, you're doing, what is your A1C? Can I ask? 
So um, my A1C upon my diagnosis was 15.9. And um, my A1C three months after that, at the end of May, um, was 6.4. And I haven't gone, I'm due for another A1C, but we just moved from Chicago to Michigan. So I am waiting for an appointment with my new endocrinologist. And, um, but according to the Dexcom Clarity, it looks like I'm going to be at about the same place, probably like a six point of six point, I would guess 6.3 to 6.5 somewhere in there, just based off of my average. What is it? 128, 133, like in that space? Yeah, it's somewhere between there. Um, somewhere around 130, I believe. Wow, congratulations. That's amazing. And you don't. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I am. And so you don't restrict your diet at all. By the way, if I lost 40 pounds, I would have eaten pizza every day. I would have been like, this, yeah. this is the, this is the world giving me the okay to have pizza for dinner every day. Right. So let me just ask you about a little bit about your, you're not restricting your, your diet, obviously. Um, and you're, and you're staying in a really great, amazing range with MDI. Can you tell me a little bit about how you, yeah. So I, um, I definitely don't feel like I have a restricted diet, but I do eat lower carb maybe than the average American does. Um, I try to pick options. I call them, I say that they're foods that are gentle on my blood sugar. Mm -hmm. Um, So instead of eating like a deep dish pizza, I'll eat like a cauliflower crust pizza or something like that just to give myself, um, I don't know, healthier options too. Like when you get older, you can't just eat ho-hos all day and like Doritos and stuff like that. You have to kind of pick and choose your treats, I guess. So, um, in the morning I have quite, I show quite a bit of insulin resistance. So I try to eat little to no carbs, um, and just like a little bit of healthy fat. So something that I would normally eat is like scrambled eggs and some bacon and avocado, um, and then I've never really been a bread eater, so it's not it's not weird for me to not eat bread in the morning because I've just never been a bread nice. morning person. But um, like if I'm going to eat a donut or something, I, that would be like a special occasion. I got you. Um, so so, so while you don't while you don't limit carbs, you don't have a very carb heavy lifestyle. I would say that yeah, probably. But I also don't. I never, if I want something, myself, no. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like I'm restricted. I feel like I definitely get to eat whatever I want whenever I want. Um, I just tend to pick, I guess, more lower carb or gentle carb meals. So if you get up in the morning, you said you're a little resistant in the morning, but you stay with, I mean, eggs and bacon is pretty low, that's fairly low carb. So, so do you end up having to bolus or, or to inject just for the eggs and bacon still? Or do you think, where would you be giving yourself insulin that time of the morning, no matter what? No, I have to give myself insulin that time of the morning, no matter what. So say if I wake up, like say I wake up kind of high, which happens sometimes. Um, so if I wake up like between 140 and 150 or something, 
if I just like decided to ignore the Dexcom beeps in the morning, um, then I would give myself usually, usually I just give myself three units right when I wake up and, um, the, that will bring my blood sugar down very, very, very slow, just like a slow, steady fall. Um, and then by the time that I'm eating something for breakfast, I might have to bolus like another unit for the protein. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have to bolus for protein, protein heavy meals, just because they, those tend to raise my blood sugar over time. Yeah, a, a lot of people talk about needing insulin for protein. It's not just, not just you. Arden had a fairly low carb meal last night, but still had like there was chicken, you know, little bit of breading there were a lot of steamed vegetables like a, a mix of steamed vegetables that she ate and we i both fairly heavy for that meal like not, yeah not like i would have if it was you know if she took like a half a french bread with her or something like that she right in a way but but still a, a fair amount of insulin what's the difference between the amount you would give yourself in the morning for eggs and bacon and the difference and the amount you might give yourself for eggs and bacon and a donut um so if i was going to eat a donut i would bolus probably um i mean it depends on where my blood sugar is at you know it's like (laughs) kind of a hard question to ask if you're not going through it in the moment a lot of my management is just feeling how do i feel what does this number look like what does this food that i'm eating look like and how much do i think it's going to take Mm -hmm. so if i'm going to have a donut which is going to be like a thick cakey old-fashioned donut covered in glaze i like it that would be my choice Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd look at that donut and I would think, I don't know, probably 30 carbs, 40 carbs would be my guess for that. I mean, it's like a good size donut. So I would bolus up front for it, allow myself to eat the eggs and bacon. And then I would probably wait and look and see where my, if my blood sugar is falling yet. And I would almost treat it like a, I would wait for it to fall. But then it also depends on where my blood sugar is. Is my blood, did I wake up at 80 or did I wake up at 120, 130? Like yeah. it, it really, it depends. It's a feeling you have to, it's, it's a lot of intuition. And like, I hear you say this on the podcast quite a bit and it, it's something, it's become a mantra to me. Something that I tell myself when I'm making these decisions is, um, what's my blood sugar? How much do I think this is? What do I know will happen? I've done this before. What do I know will happen? How do I know my blood sugar will react to this in this moment? And, and I just, Go for it. I take it from there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's like a non answer answer. I feel like, but it is, it really is a feeling that I have. And so Maggie, this was in my opinion, the perfect answer. I was thrilled to hear you say that. I, you know, I was like, wow, that's because you've only been doing it for a certain amount of time. I don't know where else you're getting your diabetes information from, if it's all coming from this podcast or if it's coming from a a collection of places or whatever you're doing. So I'm unaware of that, but I'm just thinking, well, Maggie's doing what I would do, but you're doing it like right away up front in the first number of months. I think that's really exciting actually. Yeah. I started in April. I started doing this in April. And, um, I mean, I also have to say that I'm, yes, I'm doing this on MDI because I, I enjoy being on MDI. I like the, 
the perceived freedom that it gives me mm-hmm. of, you know, the deck, but I couldn't do it without Dexcom. Okay. I would not feel this comfortable without Dexcom. Mm-hmm. This, what I do, how I manage this, like anyone on MDI can do what I'm doing with pens or with um, syringes. But could I manage the way that I do without Dexcom? No. Right. What What number do you uh, correct? Do you correct numbers that get away from you, or you don't just wait them out? I imagine. Oh no, I correct right away, and this is where the in pen really comes in because it's nice to be able to look and see how much insulin I have on board, and to to look at it and be able to know like oh, okay, I maybe just missed this bolus and I didn't time it right. And I look at it and I see where's my blood sugar going. Like, do I think it's going to even out? Do I not? What's going to happen? How much insulin do I have on board? And if I feel like maybe the insulin just hasn't caught up yet, I might wait it out. Otherwise, the minute that I start like feeling uncomfortable, like, wow, you really messed this up, like time to bring it back, <laughs> trying to, time to reel it back in is like, again, a feeling, but, um, depends on how much insulin is on board and how high I'm getting. So depending on what I'm eating, whatever, it's just so hard to say. No, I know. I just, I, Arden and I just recorrect, recorrected her lunch while you were talking. So, um, Arden's, you know, growing a lot like a lot a lot and you know so if if i would say to give this context it is october now in 2018 about 12 to 18 months ago arden was 51 and she probably weighed about 80 pounds maybe 85 pounds and now she's 55 and she weighs 117 pounds yeah. <laughs> and, and, so, and so it's, you know, she gets her period now. It's, you know, it's a standard issue period, not the starter period. It's, <laughs> it's you know, it's, um, she's growing a lot. Um, and we are actually, you, Maggie, yeah, you're going to be the first person I get to tell about this. Uh, so Arden got her A1C on Monday. And it was when we sat down in the office and I said to the, do- the doctor said to me, the, the, the doctor. I've never seen the doctor. I wouldn't know the doctor if they bit me. Actually, it's the it's the nurse practitioner, and she says, uh, "Where do you think you're at?" Because we play that game, and I said, "Um, well, the Clarity app tells me five seven, but I can tell you that this has been the most difficult three month period since I figured out diabetes. Like not prior to prior to understanding things the way I do now, that was a disaster. But since I've kind of put these things all together that we talk about on the podcast. This is the this has been the most difficult three months. And I said because her insulin needs are going up significantly for food, but not for other things. You're right. You're right. And so, you know, I'm seeing two two spikes a day that are going to about 180 or so, and I'm having more trouble getting them back down than normal. And so, you know, that, that time's a little greater and it's just been more of a struggle while I'm basically reteaching myself what it is I do because Arden's now a different person. She's not the same person I learned how to do this on basically. Right. I'm refiguring it out. I said, without the, without the clarity app, I would tell you if I didn't have, if I didn't have that clarity app to tell me where her average blood sugars were through the last three months, I would guess like a six and a half A1C. But because I have the app, I'm going to tell you the app says five, seven, but I bet you it's going to be higher. And, you know, five minutes later, the nurse came in the room. She puts the piece of paper on the table 
And uh, the, the nurse practitioner looks at the piece of paper and she turns to me and she goes, it's five, six. <laughs> and I was like, well, it was a really hard three months. You don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and she's looking at me like, like I'm an idiot. And then she goes, this is the best day one anyone's going to have in here all month. Like, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm telling you it was harder. And so, you know, I, I'm because I'm now refiguring things out. And so just now, now, just now, a half an hour ago, we did Arden's um, bolus for lunch. She did, uh, I think we did 12 and a half units, extended it, gave her 50% right away and 50% over a half an hour just so she could get to lunch. And then we caught a diagonal up at 140. After it, go, after it went to 110, we caught a diagonal up at 140. And I t- it took me a couple minutes to get a hold of her to bolus. And so I just got her to put in three more units and I stopped a straight up arrow at like 179. So this may end up being too much insulin. And if it is, it will be too much insulin an hour or so from now. Right. And then we'll, just, we'll grab it with some juice. Right. But I'm just not messing around anymore. Like I'm just, you know, not that her A1C is obviously terrific. I'm, I'm certainly not saying that. But at the beginning of this year, uh, it was 5'2". And then at the second test this year, it went to 5.4, and now it's at 5.6. So no shame in any of those numbers, obviously. But I am trending in the wrong direction. So I have to make some sort of an adjustment to what I'm doing. And as I thought about it, I realized that when we're catching these spikes at meals right now, I am not as aggressively going after them as I once was. And so I've decided to just be more aggressive about it. Right. Yeah, you know, so that's that's what we're doing right now. So she was one... 20 when she got her insulin she is 180 right now and i can see the arrow just went from straight up to diagonal up which means we've caught it and it's going to start coming the other way again but but i'm not going to make the mistake of sitting and waiting like i did these last three months right yeah i don't i don't sit and wait too much sometimes if i'm dealing with a food that maybe i'm not familiar with um i might give it a little more wiggle room than something else but I've really learned um in these last eight nine months whatever that um the answer is generally more insulin yeah Maggie you're like my Luke Skywalker (laughs) as you were talking I was like this is this is really cool like you really got a lot out of this podcast in a short amount of time I'm very happy for you but I'm also pleased to know that it struck you so much If I really was a Jedi, I would just put my hand up and make you go to DancingForDiabetes.com, I guess. But since I can't do that, I'm just going to ask. Won't you go to DancingForDiabetes.com to learn more about the organization that helps children living with type 1 diabetes through dance? Dancing4Diabetes.com And if you're in the Orlando area, I'll be speaking at their Touch by Type 1 event in May. Check out the website for that information as well. Why do you think you were so available to the information? Like, because it easily could have scared you. Like, is it something about your personality? Is it like, what made you so like, hey, I'm going to go do things the way no one else is telling me about it? Um, I just think that it made sense to me. I, I think in general, I'm a pretty rational and reasonable person. Um, 
my husband and I, we say that his name is Frankie, my Frankie and I, we say that to each other quite a bit, like, oh, well, we're rational and reasonable. So this makes sense to us, like things like that. And um, I just think that it made sense. Like if your blood sugar is high, use more insulin. I don't, I mean, it's a, it's a basic, it's a very basic thing, but I, it was interesting that you were saying how your nurse practitioner was saying, well, 5.6, like almost like you shouldn't be complaining about that or you shouldn't feel bad about that or whatever, because that's the best, that's the best A1C I'll have in here all, all month. And um, I wouldn't say that that makes me mad, but it disappoints me because I had a similar situation with my nurse practitioner when I went in for a visit in July and she was saying, you know, your A1C is really great. And the, um, the diabetic educator, nutritionist, she was telling me that she felt like 6.4 was low. That's what she was saying. And so I was like, wait, that I know you're wrong. First of all, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, like you have to, you have to find your audience for sure in this, which can be hard when, um, doctors are limited, but the nurse practitioner was saying, well, you look great. Your numbers look great. Everything's great. And I was, she was like, how are you, you know, how are you doing this? How are you managing it? And I just explained to her how I used the insulin on board from the in-pen. And I also, I told her at the time that I was like, I know that I need to pre-bolus like sometimes 45 minutes. I don't have to do this anymore, but at the time I did, um, I have to pre-bolus 45 minutes before I eat something because the insulin isn't affecting my blood sugar until about 30 to 45 minutes into, like if I just was fasting and I took the insulin, it takes 45 minutes for it to bring me down. So, and I would never have that information without the in-pen, without being able to watch it and see that happen. The in-pen and Dexcom, both all, like everything together, I would never know that how that happened or how the insulin affected me if I didn't have that technology. So I was explaining that to her and how now I know when I have to bolus. And so I bolus. And so I'm getting successful at bolusing for meals and how just because my blood sugar is going low over time, like it's slowly drifting down, no arrow movement, just a, just a steady arrow that I don't necessarily when I hit 70, I don't need to necessarily correct with 15 carbs because that's going to spike me up, especially if I'm fasting and I have nothing in my system and, and my insulin is low. Like when you and I started this conversation, I said to you, you know, my blood sugar is kind of low. It's going low right now. And I was at what, 77 with a diagonal down this whole conversation, the juice box isn't even empty. I've been sipping on an honest kids eight carb juice box and I am sitting very comfortably at 83 <laughs> like I sent Arden, so, I, I put Arden in my car and drove her to school today her blood sugar was 68 and I didn't think twice about that because her blood sugar um this year at school has been drifting up as she leaves her school over the first hour and a half. So I thought, well, 68 will, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. I told her when she got the car, I was like, keep an eye on this because we just caught a diagonal up arrow. And what I told her was, is we could be 
bolusing soon. Right. And, and I'm not sure, right? So this diagonal up arrow is working, 78, levels out. Then all of a sudden, back to 63. And I sent her a text, and it said, drink a juice. And what I meant to say was drink a half a juice. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I just, the dogs were outside, and I was like doing like nine things. And so five minutes later, I thought, oh, no, no, I did not mean all. And I texted her back, I'm like, did you drink that juice yet? And she said, yeah. I was like, oh, all right. Bolus a unit. I bolused right away. And, and that kept us right around 135 and drifted to 120 by the time, you know, before lunch. But as soon as I, as soon as I realized I didn't say half a juice, I was like, oh, that sucks. Like, well, I wish that wouldn't have happened. Uh, you, you know, but, but it just – it was too much. And again, to your point, little juice box, not a lot of carbs – and, you know, I knew it was too much as soon as, soon as I realized what I had said. So, but I want you to know too, when I was in the, de- in the doctor's office, I didn't feel bad about what the, the doctor was saying. And I wasn't telling her that I felt bad. I was just telling her that this was the most challenging three months that I had had since whatever it is I understand, I understood. And she's not, she's not hard on me. You, you know, like we don't have those kind of conversations. Arden's endo appointments are more like, Hey, how are you? I'm good. Great. How are Arden's sites look? They're great. You're doing great. Thank you. Bye. Like, 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 you know, like it's sort of like that, but I do hear too much of what you said earlier from a lot of people that you went into your endo's office with a six, four, which by the way, well done. Congratulations. And, and they're in there telling you, no, no, this is too much. Did she think right. did she think you were having lows and do you have a bunch of crazy lows like I'm talking about like are you like sitting in the 60s and the 50s for hours and doing nothing about it you're not right No not at all and I mean it's like I guess more to my point is like you and I are lucky because we think this way and we know that what we're doing is right for us but someone who's maybe experimenting and doesn't have the same support or knowledge or understanding or whatever, like once they get to a place that would be, um, you know, good or comfortable for you or I, and they hear from their doctor, Oh, well, no, this is too much. Then they might change that. I mean, there's, um, there's a woman who has reached out to me on Instagram because she saw the in, she's been using the in pen and, before she got it, she was on the internet and she found me on Instagram because I tag it or whatever. And so she asks me questions quite a bit. And so we talk about the in-pen together and she texted me the other week and she said, I'm really struggling right now. I'm, I'm having a hard time. Like I'm binge eating quite a bit and I just can't, I can't stop. And my first thought was, that's okay. (laughs) Maybe don't call it binge eating. Maybe just say you're eating. First of all, like it's okay for you to sit down and eat. You're, you're allowed to eat. But I said, okay, do you want to follow each other on Dexcom? And you can, you know, sometimes it's nice to have that support. You can see my numbers. I can see your numbers and, and maybe we can figure some of this out or I can help you or, you know, whatever. Um, or maybe if you just want to follow me and see how I'm doing as like encouragement to you, that that's fine too, whatever you want. And so I follow her now and she spends quite a bit of her day 
over 300. And I just said to her, when are you bolusing? Are you, are you bolusing for everything that you eat? Because for the most part, you need to bolus for everything you eat. And she said, my doctor told me to only take insulin at mealtimes. Oh, it's working out great. And I just thought like, she's only doing what her doctor told her to do, which is what a lot of us do. We're only doing what the experts are telling us to do. We're not getting the results that we want. And she feels bad, not only about eating, but her body probably feels terrible. terrible. Mm -hmm. And because she is like that quite a bit, she, you know, now she's, maybe now her body is comfortable being there. I had noticed a few times where her blood sugar started to go down quite a bit and it got to 150 and then she spiked right back up. And I'm like, okay, she was probably coming down from that high and she felt uncomfortable. She felt shaky and she corrected it. And you know, like that's, it's not necessarily her fault because she's only making decisions based off of the information that was given to her. I think what you're seeing with that person is something that is so classic and happens to most people, which is you get diagnosed and you're scared and you don't know what you're talking about. And someone gives you this basic information. Like when you're low, it's 15 carbs. Then you wait 15 minutes and you're like, that's stupid thing. And then, you know, and they're just giving you like, it's don't die advice. It's, you know, it's, it's right. advice that will keep you standing up and which is good advice, but they, it's good advice to keep you alive. It's not good advice to keep you healthy. It's not good advice to keep your blood sugar anywhere near where it's not 300 and making you feel horrible. It's just, it's starter advice. And then it doesn't go anywhere from there. You don't get the next step. Nobody gives you more information. It just, it hits there. Then people right. do exactly what you're saying. They do what they're told. And it's gut-wrenching because I'm doing what my doctor's telling me and I'm saying to him, hey, look, my blood sugar's high. He's going, it's okay, just bolus at meals. And so I'm doing what I'm, what I'm being told. But at the same time, I know in my heart this isn't right. And, and then nobody can make that leap. It's difficult to make the leap from the doctor said this, but I know it's not right. I need to over – I need to consider this for myself and do what I think is right that's a very difficult leap for most people to make. It's, it's for every person who I hear, I get an email from, it was like, you know, we got our, my kid's A1C went down a point and a half. Like, it's like, thanks very much. But then the, the nurse yelled at me and said the six, five was too low. Most people listen to them and then start pushing the A1C back up again. It takes, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of courage to look at someone and go, okay, I hear you, but I'm not going to listen. And it, it's, it, 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 people get caught in that cycle and then that cycle becomes a whirlwind of psychological torture and physical unpleasantness as far as long-term complications, short-term complications and not feeling well moment to moment. And then you just, you're caught in this tornado and you can't get out of it most of the time. Right. You know, and it's, it's just like for, for us to not, I'm not saying us like you and me, but just for people in general, not to acknowledge what a huge mental game diabetes is. It's not just the physical. It's not just the insulin. It's not just the carbs. But, you know, it's, I, I got diagnosed on a Thursday and that Saturday, 
And the week after that, there was the type one nation in Chicago that I went to. I mean, I was like barely a week diagnosed wearing my mom's three-year-old reading glasses because I couldn't see still. And I just like went there um, with my husband and my mom went with us too. And um, Gary was speaking at it. Um, Gary Schneier? I don't know what her last name is. Oh. She's oh, the... Oh, she's, no, Carrie. Carrie Sparling. Okay. Yep. Yeah. She's the blogger. Yep. She's the, the big blogger. And she said, like, it, something about, like, you know, it's hard not to look at these numbers and, and, it, and equate them to how I feel about myself. Mm-hmm. And I was only a week into it, sitting there just, like, crying in the audience because... I felt like a failure <laughs> a week in. I felt like a failure for having diabetes. I felt like a failure for not being able to control my blood sugar. Like I just felt like this sucks and it's hard. And am I ever going to figure it out? Am I ever going to have it figured out? And um, I just think a lot of people probably feel that way still. Not just a week into it, not just two weeks into it, a year. I think it's probably it's a common feeling, and diabetes just takes a huge emotional toll. No, I, I agree. I I couldn't agree with you more. And it's it really is. You make me think about the people who don't ever get to break free from it. They don't find whatever their answer is to get out of that space that you just described, and then that's how they live their whole life. And I'm I'm heartbroken by that thought. It sucks. I mean, it sucks so hard. And I think a big part of it is just like, and I wish I could swear right now, but just like bad doctors, like doctors who aren't in it for the right reasons, or I don't know why, why, why do you want to help? diabetics if you're not interested in finding them real solutions bolus at mealtimes i don't only eat at mealtimes i eat all day long like i and i don't know i mean it's just crazy and it it sucks that that frustration is completely real and uh, it's one of the main reasons why i do the podcast because it's just it's a horrible thing to think that that's what someone's being told that that's the world they get thrown into and that they very well may never break out of it. Like, you know, you, you even look at your own situation. If you don't go to that event and you don't hear Curry speaking, maybe that pressure would have just overwhelmed you. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe, but, but maybe hearing her say, I feel like this too, or it's hard not to feel like this, just giving you a little bit of sameness, you know, and a little bit of connection, in that moment, probably, it probably really helped you at that time. Yeah, I think it definitely gave me just like, um, room to feel the way that I felt and to be able to accept that it was okay for me to sit in that space for a little bit and acknowledge that I would probably feel that way at, at different times in my life. Um, like moving forward with this, I don't know if this sounds corny, but this journey or whatever, like it's, I mean, I'm, 
I'm not that far into it. I think I definitely am at a good place. I feel successful. Um, I feel good about myself and I just, that's terrific. Yeah. I want, I want to help other people. Like I want other people to know that it's definitely possible. And whether they're on MDI because they want to be, or because that is what they can afford or, or for whatever reason, like it is definitely possible for you to feel successful and manage your sugar and take good care of yourself. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely is. I'm glad you you came on to say that we're at a, an hour already. Uh, but I'm thrilled that you came on to talk about that because it's, it's incredibly important. You know, it's, we use a pump and, you know, there's a pump company that sponsors the show and I 100% believe in it. If you and I got, you know, I would never try to talk you into anything else, but if you asked me to, I certainly would, I'd give you my pitch for pumping. Uh, but at the same time, for a myriad of reasons, there are going to be a lot of people who don't pump and they absolutely need to know that this really amazing life exists for them. You know, you know, like you, you shouldn't think if I don't have a pump, I'm, I'm, I'm lost because you're certainly not. And you're a great example of that. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate yeah, you well, all the stories. I'm not anti pump by any means. I'm definitely like pro whatever works for you is, you know, what you should have. And, um, you, I want, I would like, I want everyone to be able to have access to everything, especially Dexcom. Um, but I, I mean, I am, I am sure that there will be a time in the future when I decide that I'm ready to pump. I'll wear you now, Maggie. You'll listen to the podcast long (laughs) enough. My, one of my favorite emails is from Michael who just sent me an email that said, okay, you win. I got an Omnipod. (laughs) I, yeah, I, I mean, so, I was so amused by that. And he, <laughs> yeah, here's your plug for Omnipod. When I'm ready for a pump, it will be Omnipod. I know it will be. I know that that is is and will be the right choice for me, just based on my activity. Um, but for me right now, like You're doing great. Yeah, doing great, and it's it is hard to go 25 years of your life without having any kind of device on you, and um, for me, I'm just not there yet mentally. I'm not ready for that to see it or to have the reminder or, um, you know, I wear a lot of high waisted pants and I get the best insulin like activity in my stomach. So I wouldn't want to like, I'm so vain. I wouldn't want to go up a pant size and have a saggy butt just to fit my pod. Like <laughs> I just see the tight pants my daughter wears with that on the pod. Yeah. It seems to be okay. Uh, but I, listen, I there will be a time it. for it. I'm sure. I, but um, I would never want to talk you into anything you didn't want to do. But I 100 percent understand what you're saying. Yeah, I'm. 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 I feel like um, when the time comes that I'm ready to try and get pregnant, that will be that will be my time gotcha. when I'm ready just to, I feel like I've got good control now, but I will want to be extremely militant when, when that opportunity and that time comes. And I think the Omnipod will be the tool I use. Cool. Maggie, I, I want to say one thing before I let you go, because I feel like you've tricked me on some level today because you have this Midwestern accent, but you a number of times wanted to curse. I think you sound sweeter than you are. Is that true? Oh my God. It's, I mean, I have actually had quite a bit of anxiety leading up to this because I say, I swear 
so much. I mean, <laughs> all the time. I like, I on Instagram, if I'm like doing a like talking to the phone, like doing a story or whatever, I mean, it is like every other word. That's just, <laughs> I, I lived in Chicago for six years and, you know, it's like, just like normal for people to say the F word and common conversation or whatever, like to like joke around or I don't know. I mean, I swear quite a bit. (laughs) And so this has been many times I was like, well, and I even want to say it right now, just like expressing it to you. Like, well, like F, I mean, you're going to have to use that bleep button a few times with this. So I'm feeling pretty good that I haven't really. Congratulations, Maggie. Here's, I haven't here's, <laughs> too bad. Here's what but. I've said to a number <laughs> of people privately who listen to the podcast. Um, if you knew me personally, you'd be amazed that I don't curse on this podcast. You'd be like, how yeah. does Scott even accomplish that? This has been a very good training ground for me because I – I love um, uh, just an expletive here and there for no particular reason. And I do think sometimes I'm thinking of just two days ago. I'll let you go in a second. But I was driving home talking to Michelle. Was it Michelle? One of the mom. It was a mom. And we were talking about something. And I probably just it randomly in the first 10 minutes of our conversation cursed. And there was like a long pause. And I was like, hey, I'm not the... We're not on the podcast right now, so you're probably going to get – I'm sorry if this is a problem. I'll try to <laughs> dial it back a little bit. But no, I just – what you don't hear probably and what everyone else who's not in the Midwest hears is that you sound so sweet. Like your accent just – and you, you just – you sound like you're – you sound like you're 15 almost when you're talking to me. And I know you're not. I know you're a grown person. Uh, but, but it um, – but it just, it doesn't, there's an expectation that, that your accent isn't going to come along with uh, an F-bomb. But I, I feel like if we hang this up and I stop recording, I'm going to hear a completely different Maggie. So, yeah, I mean, maybe. I, yeah. Sometimes there just aren't words that can really, you can substitute for the F-word. I just feel like it, it fills me in a way that no other word does. <laughs> All right. Well, on that, we're going to stop. So thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate you sharing your story. Yeah, of course. Maggie was absolutely terrific, and I really appreciate her coming on the show. I also appreciate that you listened and that you're telling other people about the show. This month is shaping up to be another record-breaking download month for the Juicebox Podcast, and I have you to thank. So let me say thank you. Thank you. Sometime this summer, sometime this summer, I believe we're going to, right at maybe at the end of the summer, going to hit a million downloads total for the show. And I'm going to have to try to think of something to do for that. Some sort of a giveaway or a contest or something with prizes. I'll figure it out. Don't worry. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes. And I'll see you next week. Is it time for more Jenny Smith next week? Let me see. This is April... Hmm. This one's going to go up on April 15th. Oh, now what do I do here? The next one's supposed to go up on the 23rd. Nope, sorry. You don't get Jenny Smith for two more weeks. But there's more diabetes pro tips coming. You're just going to have to wait. And I just figured out what the million download giveaway is going to be. Ooh, ooh, I can't wait to tell you about it. I'm not going to do that now. Just going to make you wait for that too, but I figured it out. At least I know what I'm doing. I think you're going to like this.